0: or connecting with people through Life Groups and Pocket Churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to LifeChurchGreenBay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the you version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures. Those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right there on your screen, wherever it is that you're watching us from. I love you and I'm so thankful that you are a part of our family. You know, I was gonna start a new series today, but with Thanksgiving happening this week, I felt like God wanted me to add another message to this series. And I was actually going to do a message called I'm thankful, but I'd already done one called I'm grateful, which there's actually a difference between being thankful and being grateful. Being thankful is a response while being grateful is a reflection. But even though we're coming up on Thanksgiving, rather than sharing a message called I'm thankful, I wanted to take it a step further and I want to share a message that we're calling I'm content. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for who you are thank you for what you do. God, you are so overly good to us. We're so thankful. We're so grateful. Help us to be content. Change our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you can be thankful but not content, but you can't be content and not be thankful. This is one of the most unique Thanksgiving seasons of most of our lives, probably all of our lives. And there's just this general antsiness happening for maybe obvious reasons. There's never been a bigger struggle with contentment than there is in 2020. Or let me rephrase that. In the history of humanity, discontentment has never been higher than it is right now. Think about it. Never before have so many people had so much yet wanted so much more. And running the risk of sounding like an old man, there's an identifiable culprit. And almost all of us subject ourselves to it like every day. Sociologists have determined that social media is one of the biggest causes, one of the biggest culprits when it comes to discontentment. And here's what happens. When we look at other people's lives on social media, their lives look perfect while our lives look puny but their lives look perfect because they're putting their best foot forward, their best, most filtered foot forward. So we end up comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. We, we feel small because we see the best of their best while knowing the worst of our worst. For example, I, I heard two moms talking about how they used to hate each other because of social media. You had a working mom, and a stay-at-home mom. And, and the working mom was like, you know what? I just hated you because you're like this perfect Pinterest stay-at-home mom who does crafts and has structured time with her kids. And every time I looked at your stuff, it made me feel guilty. But then the stay-at-home mom was like, I hated you because you have this big life. You have this big career. You're out in public. You're doing things while I haven't had my hair out of a ponytail or haven't seen an adult since 2009. So you had two people comparing and wanting what the other person had. Maybe you've been like that. You're at home, you're you're eating lean cuisine, scrolling, seeing your friend out on a date, eating lobster, or you're scrolling, seeing your friend at the gym, doing selfie muscle pictures while you're single-handedly trying to keep hostess out of bankruptcy. And in either situation or circumstance, you find yourself thinking, I feel so bad about myself. Like never in the history of the world have we been able to measure popularity like we can today. Like I've got 287 followers and she's got 574. I'm literally half as popular as she is. Or my picture only got 19 likes and the one before it only got 12. My record is 33. But every time she posts, she gets triple digit likes. It's like totally unfair. And so we compare and we conclude. We think our life stinks while everybody else's life is awesome. So the more we scroll, the more we compare. But the more we compare, the less satisfied, the less content we are. And it's totally predictable. There's a, like a really predictable pattern. You go from content to discontent to malcontent to envy. You go from content to discontent to malcontent to envy. Watch this. When you're content, you're in this state of, peaceful happiness. But when you're discontent, you have a dissatisfaction with your circumstances. And there's really three distinct categories of discontentment. First, you have material discontent. That's, that's where you see a picture of his car. So you hate your car. You want to be happy for him, but you're jealous. You want his car. Or, or she posts a picture of brownies, but you're not looking at the brownies. You're looking past the brownies at her kitchen and her countertops. And the little knobs on her cabinets and the copper pots hanging over her island. And you're like, I mean, I want copper pots hanging over my island. Material discontent. Second, you have relational discontent. You, you see all your friends and they're together, but you weren't invited. And you wonder, why was I left out? Or everybody you know is married, but you're not. They're happy. You're not. And you think, I wish I had somebody special. Relational discontent. Third, you have circumstantial discontent. You thought you'd be more successful. You thought you'd be more significant. Everybody else is more successful. Everybody else is more significant. And so when they post their graduation, when they post their new job, when they post the gender of their baby, it just wrecks you. But it's just jealousy and it's totally circumstantial. So their contentment causes discontentment in you. Or even worse, if we don't get our discontentment check, it can slide into malcontent, which is where someone takes it to the next level. They, they, in their satisfaction, start complaining. They start gossiping. They start making trouble for other people, which can really easily slip into the next really dangerous step, which is envy. And envy is where we resent God's goodness in other people's lives while we ignore his goodness in our own lives. But, you know, I heard a great quote a couple years ago. It said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. I wonder how you're responding to what's happening to you. And so the Apostle Paul, he, he was the master of responding with a Jesus-like perspective. In fact, he wrote what I think is probably the best verse in the book on contentment, which incidentally, he wrote, while he was in prison, while, while he was chained to a Roman guard 24-7. Like he's not posting selfies with his guard. He's, he's not on the beach drinking a drink with an umbrella. It, it, like, life's not great for him when he writes this scripture. Yet here's what he says. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He's saying the secret to contentment is not found in what we have or what we don't have. It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen, until Jesus is all you have, you'll never recognize that Jesus is all you need. Like if you wanna find the power of contentment, let everything else be stripped away and cling to Jesus and Jesus alone. Because when you cling to Jesus, you'll recognize that his presence is real. And he offers a peace that goes beyond our human ability to comprehend. I went through this myself like 15 years ago. I thought I had life by the tail. Fancy house, fancy car, flying first class all over the world, speaking at these huge events, signing autographs. Yeah, me, signing autographs. Like, are you kidding me? But my big life was a big joke. My life, no matter what it looked like on the outside, no matter what it looked like on social media, my life was a total wreck. And it finally hit the ditch. And when it hit the ditch, I lost everything except what really mattered. Jesus, Sonny, and my kids. That's when I ended up here in Green Bay. And I ended up here in Green Bay so that I could go through restoration, so that I could go through counseling. And I went from being on top of the world to the world being on top of me. And like, I called myself a blogger because that was my male ego language for being unemployed because I was actually a stay-at-home dad, packing lunches, doing laundry, driving carpool. We had no cable. We had no internet. For a couple months, we had no heat. We didn't eat at a restaurant for over six months. And when we finally did, it was Pizza Hut. But I've said this to people before, and maybe you've heard me say this, and maybe it's hard for you to believe or even understand, but it was the best time of my life. I got to know my kids and they got to know me. I got to pause and look into the eyes of my wife for the first time in years. I I actually read my Bible. I I read the Bible cover to cover in 90 days. For the first time in my life, I was content. And so today I wanna give you three steps to contentment, three steps that I learned in that in-between, that in-between discontentment and contentment. Three steps to contentment. Here's the first. Kill comparisons. Guys, stop comparing. The apostle Paul said it like this. We don't dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise we're going to kill comparisons because it's not wise. No one wins with comparisons. Like I remember the first time I got smacked by comparison, I had bought my first car. It was a a 1983 Ford Escort. And man, y'all, I loved that car. Washed it, waxed it, shined the tires, got me some floor mats, hung with a little air freshener, a little crown air freshener in the car. Man, y'all, whoo, I was rolling till I went to school that fall. And And I had opted into a nice school, into a performing arts school. And there were two kinds of kids at my school, talented kids and rich kids. And I wasn't rich. And on the first day of school, a guy in my class named Chris Utley, and he wasn't talented. He pulled up in his first car, a 1965 Corvette convertible. Man, suddenly my car stunk. My car was awesome until he got his car. But you know what? My car was no less awesome just because his car was more awesome. But I was definitely overcome with envy. So so we're gonna kill comparison. Why? Well, because scripture says something I want you to really see here. I want you to recognize just how dangerous envy can be. Scripture says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it and don't deny the truth. Such wisdom, and I I love when scripture uses air quotes, such wisdom, doesn't come down from heaven. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. Like, Did you see that? It says that envy is demonic. Like that's intense. It goes on. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. So we're going to kill comparison because it's demonic and it opens the door to disorder. It opens the door to every other evil practice. It's why it was one of the, like the big 10, the the 10 commandments say, thou shalt not covet because God knew it's not just unhealthy, it's sinful. So we're going to kill comparisons. And I don't know how this plays out for you and your life on a practical level. Like maybe you need to take a break from social media just for three days or or just for three weeks, what if, what if you didn't do anything on social media till after Thanksgiving? Or, or maybe you need to hide the feed of certain people because it triggers jealousy or discontentment or maybe even worse envy in your life. Maybe you need to stop getting certain magazines or catalogs, stop watching HGTV, delete certain shopping ads, stop going to boat shows or car shows, RV shows or hunting shows when they come back into real life because they're feeding discontentment in your life and you, you are going to kill comparisons. Here's the second step to contentment is celebrate other people's blessings. You know, I find when I celebrate someone else's success, it purifies my heart. Like when someone else is blessed in a way I wanted to be blessed and I celebrate with them, it has a way of cleansing the very intentions of my heart. On the flip side, I've discovered when I can't celebrate what God is doing in someone else's life, I'm actually limiting what God can do in my life because it fills my heart. It closes my heart. It clenches my fists and closed hands can't receive blessings. Blessings. When I'm busy being jealous of what God's doing in someone else's life, my life is full, but it's full of the wrong stuff. And harvest can't come from spoiled soil. Can't come from tainted soil. And so sometimes the soil of my heart, it's been tainted. It's been poisoned. It's been filled with toxins. So I'm gonna purify that soil. I'm gonna open my hands and make room for God to fill them with what he already wants to give me. And I'm gonna start that process by celebrating other people's blessings. Here's a third step to contentment. Cultivate gratitude. In other words, look on the bright side. What do you have to be thankful for? Be thankful for it. Like like this week when you're around the table with people who you love and people who you have to be thankful for. Why don't you like go around the table and say one thing that you're really thankful for, because what do you have to be thankful for? Be thankful for it consciously, consistently. Like look at what the Proverbs has to say. It says for the despondent, every day brings trouble. Some of you know people like this. I mean, heck, some of you are people like this. I wish it would just rain. I wish it would stop raining. I I wish it would cool down. I wish it would just warm up. I wish my husband would start, or I wish my wife would just stop. This house, it's falling apart. This car, it's a piece of junk. My kids, they're such brats. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast, like Thanksgiving dinner with the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed taters and gravy and the cornbread and the pumpkin pie and the sweet potato pie in Jesus name with the cool whip on the top. Like that's what it is. It's like a continual feast. Like, isn't that so good? The happy heart. It's always ready to see God's goodness. Hey, if you want to look for the bad in this world, if you want to look for the bad in every situation, you can find it. But if you want to see God working, well, you can find that too, because let me tell you, God is working. He's working everywhere. He's working every day. I have a friend, Bradley, he's, he's always cultivating gratitude, and it's like super infectious. He answers his phone with, it's a beautiful day, or uh, from time to time, I'll call him and he'll answer the phone. You are so beautiful me how can you not have a good day when somebody sings a joe cocker song to you like he he's constantly asking this question how am i so blessed sometimes he'll just text me out of the blue and tell me that i should stop by his car lot because he's giving out free hugs today you know it's hard to hug and hate at the same time how am i so blessed When I think about what I have, a beautiful wife, healthy kids, a couple good Jesus friends, a roof over my head, clothes on my back, food in my belly. How am I so blessed? Then when I think about what I don't have, I don't have a terminal disease. I don't have three months left to live. I don't have a ransom note in my hand. I don't have 16 more years to serve on my sentence. How am I so blessed? The wisest man on the planet said it like this. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. So some of you need to change your perspective on what you don't have and start enjoying what you do. Can I tell you, the greatest thing that any of us have is an opportunity, an invitation to have a personal, eternal relationship with Jesus who said, look, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'm going to come in. And when I come in, we're going to share a meal like Thanksgiving. And when we share that meal, we're going to be together like great friends. It's an open invitation, an opportunity to have a personal, eternal relationship with Jesus through whom I can do all these things. And so can you. Through him, You can do all these things, including living in contentment. And so will you open your hands? Will you open your hearts? Will you open the door today and invite him in so that you and he can enjoy a meal together like two friends? If you do, you'll say, I'm content. Would you close your eyes? You know, salvation, It is opening the door and inviting him in. It's like the definitive salvation scripture that he stands at the door and he knocks. And if anyone opens the door, he'll come in and he'll dine with them as a friend. And so today, I wonder if even while you were listening to this little talk, you felt a knock on your heart, a tug at your spirit, a thought in your mind that said that thing that Sean's talking about, I don't have that. That's Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. And today, the way that you open the door and invite him in is to pray a prayer, a prayer of repentance and a prayer of forgiveness. So today we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. We're gonna give you the opportunity to have me say a few words in a prayer and then to pause. when I pause, if you repeat it and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved you will invite him into your life. So will you do that? We repeat this. Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart? Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my savior. In Jesus name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. You just made the greatest decision in your life and we want the opportunity to help you take the next step, the step away from where you are to where God wants you to be, which is more like Jesus. So if you would message us and let us know that you made that decision, we would love the opportunity to follow up with you. But that's not all. Maybe you're watching this and you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. Like I've already invited Jesus to come into my heart and dine with me as a friend, but I don't know if it's pandemic related or get melancholy during holiday season. But there's a sense of discontentment in you. If that's you, I want to pray that you would be able to say, I'm not discontent. I'm content. So Father, for my friends, I pray peace over their life. Let us recognize and realize the things that you've done, the things that you're doing, and the things that you're going to do that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you are the God of blessing. So help us to be content. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.